Well, good morning, everyone. Is everyone excited about VBS? Anybody involved with VBS? I know we had people come out and pray. Coming in this morning was exciting as we saw the hallway all decorated and anticipating the things that God is going to do. Well, like Trevor said, my name is Grace Marie, and I'm excited to be here this morning in a little different way in teaching this morning and looking through where we've been in this series called Stages. Now, if you've been with us for any of these weeks, it's been a really interesting series. We've been looking at what it means to grow physically, emotionally, and spiritually throughout our lives and how we're impacted um, by different seasons and stages and ways that we can lean in and learn from the things that God wants to teach us about all those things. And some of the weeks have been really fun. It's been like about dreaming and what are you gonna make of your life? What do you wanna be when you grow up kind of stuff? And some of the weeks are heavy. And then they gave me the heavy one, y'all. They gave me the heavy one. So I just wanna go ahead and prepare you for that today. It's gonna be heavy, but I think it's gonna be hopeful. So everybody say heavy. Everybody say hopeful. All right, that's right, that's what we're doing this morning. So I figured to start, we would start a little different than normal. I want us to start with a kind of a step back, big perspective as we think about our life and the life, the one life that we've been given each to live. So I wanna start this morning with this. Right now, everyone in the room and everyone listening to my voice online has the same address, Earth. Okay, y'all are like, it's 2022, we know that. We've seen all the things, we've heard about it. But this was groundbreaking information to see for the first time visually. In 1972, it was the first time that humans were able to actually take a full picture of our planet, our home, and it was on the Apollo 17 mission on the way to the moon. They had gotten bits and pieces before, but this is the first time in 1972 that they got this picture. It's called the blue marble. And the first time that we saw this, it was like, wow, this is where we live. This is our home. This is our planet. And so the blue marble is one of the most uh, famous pictures, and it has been reproduced almost more than any other picture in history, they say. It's, it's very, very famous picture. Now, fast forward. That was 1972. Fast forward to 1977. And in 1977, NASA decides to send a spacecraft called the Voyager on a one-way mission out into space. Now, it was a one-way mission. No humans are on this spaceship. It was just all electronics and technology and computerized things that were happening. But its one mission was to be sent out into the solar system to explore and take pictures of some of the planets that are further away from us, Neptune, Uranus, Saturn, and get some up-close images of all of these things. And so they send it out. It launches in 1977, and it begins to travel through our solar system taking pictures. And I had a website up there. If there's amazing information if you want to learn more about this. I promise I'm not making all this up. If you want to learn about the Voyager, Voyager 1 and 2 and their endeavor, it's actually still traveling today and is supposed to be going until uh, 2036, sending data and information back to Earth. But on February 14th, 1990, it got to the place in our solar system where it was about to leave our solar system officially and enter into interstellar space. It was four billion miles away from the sun at this point. And the scientists back here on Earth say, hey, 
they communicate to it, turn back around and take a final picture of where we are in the galaxy. Give us one final picture, one last look at our home before you're gone and traveling out into the abyss, really. So the Voyager turns around and with its cameras and telescopes, it begins taking a series of photos because it's too big just to capture. And it takes months for these pixels to be sent back to Earth to be uploaded at NASA for them to see what's this final picture gonna be of us in our solar system. And after months, they wait. This is the picture that we get. Y'all are like, what am I looking at? Did the, did the projector mess up? No, that's the picture. If you look really closely, you can see that there's some streaks, like some sunbeams. What that actually is, is the, the sunlight uh, basically radiating off, radiating off of the telescope. And in the middle of one of those, you can see a very small speck. If you still don't see it, it's right here. That is planet Earth. That is our home. Now, Carl Sagan, who is a famous scientist, he said this about this photo. He named that photo, but he's written a lot of famous things about it. He calls it the pale blue dot, just a speck of dust caught in a sunbeam. This is what he famously has said about the pale blue dot. That's here. That's home. That's us. On it, everyone you know, everyone you ever heard of, every human being who ever was lived out their lives on a moat of dust suspended in a sunbeam, the pale blue dot. Now, the first time I heard this explained and illustrated by Pastor Louis Giglio, I remember feeling incredibly small. Anybody feel small this morning? Like, this is where we are right now. What's happening out there? I remember feeling incredibly small. And I remember that he said, I'm not trying to make you feel small. I'm trying to help you see that you are small. You're small in the universe of everything that this God has created. Psalm 8, 3 through 4, I love these verses. It says this, when I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them? Human beings that you care for them. You see, it's a beautiful and it's an overwhelming thing to accept the reality and know that this creator God who's created so many things loves you and has a purpose for you. You may feel small in light of that, but you are significant in the eyes of creator God. And so this morning, as we start with that really, really, really big perspective, I want us to ask ourselves this question, what will we do with the one life we've been given to live? What will we do with the one life that we have been given to live? I said it was going to be heavy. Everybody say heavy. I said it was going to be hopeful. Everybody say hopeful. Heavy and hopeful. You see, each week in the series on stages, we've talked about our lives, and I'm sure you've thought about your life, what stage you're in, what's going on, whether it's nurturing, growing, exploring, building. What am I building with my life? And all through each stage, you ask different questions, right? 
you kind of evaluate where you are and then you kind of begin to ask certain questions. Well, when people come to their final stage of life, it's very different and the questions begin to change. So this morning, that's what we're gonna look at. We've looked at all these stages, but now we're at the final stage. There has to be an ending. And these are some of the questions that begin uh, to happen at this point. What do I do with the time that I have left? Was I a part of something bigger than myself? What am I actually leaving behind that will go on long after I'm gone? How have I given myself? And has my life mattered? Has my life mattered? You see, as we consider this stage this morning, the final stage or the stage where you finish, I want us to look at a passage from 2 Timothy from the Apostle Paul. We're gonna look at several different principles that I think we can draw from his life alone. Hopefully that will give us some direction to help us live our life to the fullest. And my prayer and purpose is that this will be helpful no matter where you consider yourself this morning. So if you're a teenager in your 20s or if in your 80s this morning, I believe the information and the principles that we can learn from Scripture can really set the tone for all of us in our lives. So let's start. 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8. Paul says this as he writes his final letter to Timothy. Paul is in prison when he's writing this. And he sends this letter to Timothy, and this is what he says. As for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. And now the prize awaits me, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. You see, one of the things about Paul that I think is incredible that we draw out here is that he was living with the ending in mind. He was living his life with the ending in mind and in view. It was not something he was shying away from mentioning. It was not something that he was avoiding or trying to be distracted from. It was something that he accepted and expected would come at some point. And this is something that he brings up in other places in his writings, not just here in Timothy, the reality that his earthly life was going to end. He knew that was true. And as a human, death eventually was the reality. But here's the elephant in the room. No one wants to talk about this. No one wants to talk about this. This is not something that casually just constantly comes up uh, over you know, dinner. If so, please speak to a pastor after the service. This is the constant thing you wanna talk about. It's not usually something that's casually always talked about lightly. And in fact, when I found out I was speaking on this subject, I'm like, wait a minute. What about all these other weeks? I mean, people were talking about building, dreaming, hoping, all these really fun illustrations, and then they're like, and Grace, we're not need to let everybody know that they're gonna die. Okay, that's good. And then go do VBS and have a great week with everybody. <laughs> like, this is, a, this is a lot. This is a lot for me. But the more I've talked, I've, I've really thought about it, the more I've studied throughout the week, I was like, you know what? This is not necessarily what people want to talk about. We wanna talk about the more hopeful things 
that we feel are a little more tangible with what we can do. But I believe when we really understand some of these things, it will set the tone for our entire life, no matter what stage you're in right now. You see, accepting that there will be an ending will cause us to live more presently and purposefully. Accepting that there will be an ending will cause us to live more presently and purposefully. Our culture today loves the idea of being distracted by reality, loves the idea of being distracted from a painful thing like death. But the reality is it will impact all of us in some way, shape, or form. Social psychologist Sheldon Solomon, I was reading this week, it says, he says this about the American culture. We are masters of burying existential anxieties under a mound of French fries. I was like, all right. Somebody commented and was like, yeah, but French fries are delicious. I'm like, yeah, that's true. But we are masters of burying our anxieties about in our crises about what's gonna happen with the world, like what's really happening inside of me. We don't wanna deal with those things, so we just bury ourselves. And maybe for you, it's not French fries. Maybe it's your phone that you constantly live to just use to distract you and to avoid maybe pain or hurt or things that are going on inside of you. Maybe it's an addiction you have and you just live numb to those realities. But for the sakes of the, for all of our purposes today, no matter what it is, we tend to avoid it. And in America, we are so removed from suffering in the way that many parts of the world are. We are it's a very sterile process, death, grieving, loss. The majority of people see it as something that other people take care of. It's something that we don't have to deal with in the same type of way, like other cultures are very involved with the process of death and grieving. And honestly, we're grateful for that, I'm sure. However, a recent sociological study actually showed that cultures and people that are more in tune with death and dying actually live more present and purposeful lives. And this is just a secular study that's out there. That those people will usually live more connected because they're exposed to the reality that it's gonna end. They're exposed to the reality that their time is ticking. And that gives them a very different perspective. See, this reality is all throughout the scriptures. Here's a few passages just to help us kind of put our mind around this this morning. James 4.14 says this, why you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. And then Psalm 39 says this, I absolutely love this passage. It says, Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered, how fleeting my life is. You have made my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire lifetime is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. Each of us is but a breath. I was reminded of this for my own self. It kind of snuck up on me this past year. Here's a picture of me um, with all of my pets. This is a couple years ago. So a couple things to note here. The two little puppies I'm holding, this is when they were like maybe two months old. They're huge now, so don't be fooled by what I have to deal with. But that's Rose and Lily. I had just rescued them. 
And then you see the little dog to my left is uh, Casey, my Cocker Spaniel. She was all, uh, probably 14, I guess, at the time here, and she actually passed away last year, which was very devastating and sad. If you've never lost a pet, that is, that is a really hard thing to navigate. And so you see the three dogs, and you see my cat, Sophia, just like on her tower, like judging all of us from the tower. She's just like, what have you done? Which is true, that's how she is. Pretty. If you have a cat, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I was, uh, I was thinking about that this, best, this, um, this past year at some point, maybe six or eight months ago, and I love dogs. And I'm always thinking about, oh, I love this dog. And, and I follow all these Instagram accounts where I'm like, man, I really wanna like get this dog or I wanna get that dog. And then I'm like, yeah, I can't do that because I will have so many dogs in my house. I can't, I can't do that to my mom who's always pet sitting for me. So now I just have the two, Rose and Lily, and I have the cat. And I started thinking, all right, so Casey lived to be almost 15 years old. That was her life expectancy. I was really great, grateful for that. And I started thinking, all right, Rose and Lily, their life expectancy is around maybe like 13 years for that breed. And so I start thinking, okay, for 13 years. And then I've always thought about getting like a Bernese Mountain Dog. They look so fun. So I started thinking, okay, Bernese Mountain Dog, their life expectancy isn't quite as long because they're really big, maybe 10 or 11 years, so I could get one of those. And so I start going on and on, like mapping out their life expectancy, like, okay, Golden Retriever, I always love it. Maybe I go get like the oldest rescue at the, at the, um, the shelter. I started like thinking about all of this in these terms. And before you knew it, I was like 150 getting a French Bulldog. I'm not kidding. I was like, wait a minute. Here I am mapping out life expectancy of all these dogs, and I've completely surpassed my life expectancy. There's no way I can do all of this. But it was a very, it was a funny moment with myself, but it was also really weird because I was like, wait a minute, this is gonna end. And I was reminded of that very, very quickly in that moment. But here is the reality for every single person in the room. We actually don't know when we're in our final stage of life. We actually don't no. Today I can say, I hope that I'm not in my final stage of life. And by looking at, you know, your different life expectancies and all those things, it would appear that I am not, but we actually never know. And none of us really do. And this is not lost on me today. I know that is a hard thing to even talk about. Most of us long for the opportunity to grow old. Most of us long for the opportunity to be able to grow old and experience all the good things that God has given us to experience in this life, but that is not everyone's story, and it just won't be everyone's experience. We live in a broken world. There's suffering. There's sin. There's disease. There's evil. But the truth that all of us can embrace is how can we choose to be more present and purposeful right now, living, knowing that there is going to be an ending, living, knowing there was going to be an ending, and living with that in mind. You see, the Apostle Paul lived his life that way. He goes on to say it in the next verse, verse 7. He says, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. You see, Paul was living with a God-given purpose. He was living with the God-given purpose, something that he couldn't just muster up on his own. He was caught up in a mission that was bigger than himself, and it gave him absolute direction and passion 
for his life. He said, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. You see, Paul had a passion for those to know of Jesus Christ, the hope that he had experienced in his own life. He wanted people to know that. In the book of Colossians, it actually says that he labors and strives for people to know the hope that is found in Jesus and Jesus alone. He had given himself over to that truth. You see, purpose and mission will give you a direction and will keep you focused on that instead of getting aimless and living your life each and every day, however you choose to live it. There's an Instagram account that I follow, and maybe some of you have seen this. I love this account. It's called Grandma Joy's Road Trip, okay? So let me explain a little bit here. So this is Grandma Joy, um, and she's uh, 92 today, I believe, and that's her grandson, Brad. And so they're on this road trip that's incredible, and they're, they're capturing the whole thing on Instagram and telling the stories as it goes. They've been featured on lots of different um, news stations, articles, Grandma Joy's road trip. But the way it started was this. He went to visit his grandma in Ohio and they were just chatting and catching up. And Grandma Joy had lived a, a pretty hard life, not traveled very far where she lived at in Ohio, had lost her husband, had lost two children, and just had had, had a difficult life. And they were just sitting around talking and her grandson, Brad, found out she had never seen the ocean and that she had never seen a mountain. And he was like, oh, this is not okay. And he was like, all right, Grandma, how would you feel about going camping with me this weekend? She's 85 when he brings this up to her. She's like, all right, I'm up for it. So he went to the Smoky Mountain National Park with her. She slept in a tent for the first time at 85 years old. And this first visit to this national park actually began this huge expedition. And so he has made it his mission that I want my grandma to see every national park in the US. There are 63 national parks in the US, and I'm glad to report this started in 2015, it's now 2022, and they have one more to go, which is incredible. Now, I bring that up because there's been lots of things that could have gotten them off of that mission over the past seven years. COVID happened. Lots of things shut down. She had some health things that she had to deal with. But regardless of all of that, Brad knew Grandma Joy's got to see all the national parks. And they've been on this journey together, and it has been beautiful to watch and to see. You see, having a passion or a mission or a direction about something will keep you going even when it gets hard, even when it's easy to quit. The Apostle Paul had a mission and a purpose in life. So when he faced opposition in that endeavor, which he did, he knew it was a good fight. And he knew it was a fight worth engaging in. And when he was on his course of life and there were lots of obstacles along the way and there were things and people trying to distract him and reroute him on his journey, he knew that he was trying to finish a race. And he didn't let those things get in the way or stop him. And when there was an opportunity for him to stop trusting God, he was going through so many hardships when he could have said, all right, I'm done with this God thing. I'm gonna put me up on a beach somewhere, give me some pina coladas and it's just over. He didn't do that. He said, I'm going to remain faithful to what God has called me to do. 
You see, a lot of people, maybe some of you today are like, I don't feel like I have something like that, like a God-given purpose. I don't have anything in my life that I wake up for. And I would encourage you, if you feel like you're resonating with that this morning, just to, some of the previous messages in this series has really dealt specifically with that, and we're not gonna spend a whole lot of time on that today. So I encourage you to go back and listen to that. However, one thing I think we can learn from talking about